June 23, 2022, in Masechet Sanhedrin, oh, the wrong one, so it's the first one, all right. Three lines from the bottom, you can look on it, Jeffrey, if you want. Uh, three lines from the bottom, just uh, three words onto the line. Says the Gemara, Amar Ula, Minayin lahatra'a min ha-Torah. The Gemara is searching for a, a, a remez or a pasuk in the Torah that will point us in the direction of this concept of a hatra'a, of a warning. We've referred to it in Masechet Sanhedrin on many occasions. That in order to put to death, in order to punish, it's necessary that a warning be issued and accepted. Where do you find such a matter in the Torah? As I mentioned yesterday, Tosafot asked the question, says, but this is logical. If the person can't... Uh, be determined that they were doing this purposefully, that they did it b'mezid. So of course you need a hatra in order to establish that the person did it full knowingly with regards to what they're doing and what they're going to be liable for. Tosafot therefore suggests one of two explanations. Either says Tosafot, we're dealing with a person who's already a talmid hacham, what's known as a haver. A haver, the halacha is according to the hachamim. Even though they know the law, you still need to issue a warning. So it means that we know that they're mezid. We know that this isn't a lack of knowledge, that they don't know what they're doing. And nonetheless, you need a warning. That's why we need a pasuk for this. Alternatively, says Tosafot, we're searching for a pasuk that verifies the laws. The law of hatra uh, is that it needs to be tohkede dibur. It needs to be immediately prior to the action. So that's what we're searching for, a pasuk that tells us this is so much a part of the action that if you don't have it, you're not liable. Anyway, that's the question of Yaminayin lahatra min hatora shene emar suggests the following pasuk the pasuk is in the context of illicit illegal relations of a man together with his sister and the pasuk doesn't say like it generally will um, and he's refers to uh, he exposes her nakedness Rather, it says, He sees her nakedness. Says the Gemara, questions the Gemara uh, rhetorically. Is this matter dependent upon sight? The only way you're liable and you, you transgress the illegal relations is if you saw your sister. Rather, the reason the Torah refers to it again as seeing your sister's nakedness as opposed to revealing it or sleeping with her. And the understanding of Pasuk is the only time you're going to be liable is if it's shown to you, if you see the matter at hand. If you see, if it was explained to you prior to this wrongful activity, this is what you're about to do. Understand what you're doing wrong. Continues the Gemara, and he says, and if this matter is unnecessary for karet, after all, when you have in this context is karet, that's death by God. As a result, a warning, determining what your thought is, what your acceptance is, is not necessary except for human beings. So it's not necessary for the Torah, so to speak, to teach us about a hatra by karet. So if it's unnecessary to teach us by karet, we should understand this instead by a circumstance of malkot. Malkot, Rashi explains that the shayach ba'achoto, malkot is also relevant. The Gemara Masech Malkot describes how when there's a hiyuv karet, Death, by, death penalty by heaven, heaven, so to speak, there is as well a side that we affect. We give the person lashes, generally speaking. We are able to alleviate the hiyuv karet by giving them those lashes. As a result, we make an association, affiliation in the pasuk. The pasuk is talking by, by karet, we can apply it to malkot, but that's all we have with regards to the uda derasha. We have a derasha that by malkot, by death, by penalty of lashes, you need to issue a warning. That's not to say that by more severe circumstances, 
that uh, hatra is necessary as well. Keep in mind that hatra'a is a leniency. The way you get let off is you say, I didn't realize. The way you get let off is you say the structure and the, and the laws were not followed in affecting this court case. So that it applies to malkot will not be enough because that's the, last, the least of our severities. That's the Beit Midrash of Hizkiah. They had the following teaching. The Pasuk says in the context of a person who murders in cold blood, it says, If a person is mezid on another, to kill him with a certain slide or cunning fashion, uh, the understanding of the, of the Pasuk in turn of the Vechizkiah is what's that Vechiyazid? Vechiyazid, he is purposeful, uh, he's brewing, he's stewing, he's purposefully doing this. Shehitrubo, uh, the understanding in turn is that he, he was given a hatra'ah, ve'adayin hu mezid. The understanding is uh, that he, he had a warning and our understanding is it's yazid, he is doing this bimezid. Rashi in his second interpretation says, ve'chiyazid mashmat tamidhu bizodono. Uh, the Pasuk says, it sounds like this purpose, person was doing it constantly in a purposeful fashion. How do you determine that he was purposeful in doing it from the beginning? You must have issued a warning. That's the dirasha over here. Again, each of these are somewhat of a remez. It's never explicit in the Torah. The third opinion as to what our source... Now, keep in mind as well, that second dirasha is by Saif. It's by death penalty, by saif beheading, a person who murders. It's not going to be sufficient to tell me the more severe death penalties that you need a hatra'ah for as well, right? In other words, the less the severity of the punishment, the less severity of the action, we assume, which in turn means you'd be more lenient. So you need to, as you get more stringent, you need to bring proofs that we have hatra'ah necessary over there as well. The verb Ishmael Tana. It's this week's parasha, perfect timing. The pasuk describes this mekoshesh etzim. According to the hachamim, this was a person named Tzilof Had. It's a person who violates Shabbat when in the Midbar. So a debate as to exactly what mekoshesh means. Probably a gatherer of, of, of wood on Shabbat. And the pasuk doesn't describe him as a person who gathered the wood. Kishesh etzim, mekoshesh if you know even simple conjugation in Hebrew, mikoshesh means he is gathering. The guy's not gathering, the guy already violated. So why does the Pasuk describe him as mikoshesh etzim sheitrubo ve'adayin hu mikoshesh? It's another one of these Pasuk doing it in the hoveh. Even though he seemed to, they, they grab him, they bring him to Moshe, they say, Moshe, what's his death penalty? What are we supposed to do? Moshe, of course, doesn't know. He turns to God, but the Pasuk talks about it as if it's in the midst of, of taking place. It's not in the midst of taking place. The understanding in turn is, that he was, so to speak, continuously doing this because we issued a warning to him, and as a result, he was nonetheless doing it. That's the dirasha that we have in this context as well. And by the way, that would be to the highest of severities. That's sekila, that's Shabbat, we got it. We have a fourth dirasha, al devar asher inna. The Pasuk is talking about the Na'aram Orasa and describes how the person who's Me'anneo Ota, the person who, who rapes her, gets put to death. And the Pasuk says, Al Devar Asher Inna. Now, the word Devar, of course, would be translated as on the matter of. But Devar as well refers to words. We say Dibur is to speak. Now, we do refer to in Hebrew things as Davar. For good reason. The Torah describes, generally speaking, in the creation of the world as God speaking 
pronouncing names and determining what will take place through speech. We create entities as human beings as well through speech. Before something or someone's given a name, we have a certain malleability. We still haven't really determined who or what it is. You need to give a name to something. But anyway, in the Pasuk it says, al-devar asher ina, and the word devar is somewhat unnecessary. It could have said, al asher ina, on the fact that he raped her. Instead it says, on the matter, or on the word, more literally, that he, mur- that he, that he raped her, al-isked dibur, the derashayas, it's on matters of speech. What sort of matters of speech? That there was a warning issued to this person, and he accepted the warning. Also, a chiyuv sekila. Now the question is why we need all of these derashot. Once we have just the last one, the last two, it would be sufficient, and we could then, if you have on the most severe of punishments, most severe of actions, you need a hatra in order to be punished, so then it should apply to all of them. Usiricha, the Gemara says, it was necessary for us to have all of these derashot. If we just had the first of the derashot, that of ahoto, if you recall that one, that was the person who sleeps with his sister. And the Pasuk says, Ra'a, he saw, Hava Amina, I would have said, in This is what I told you then. It's an insufficient proof. It's only evidence for the lowest of severities, for Hiyuv Malkot. Katav Rahmanat, for that reason that the Torah says, Kiyazid, the Torah needs to give us the next Pasuk as well, the murder situation. If you recall, Kiyazid, our Derasha was, the person does from beginning, Bemezid, Vi Katav Rahmana Vechiyazid. Why not suffice with that second Pasuk then of Vechiyazid, the person who murders and in turn is going to be punished by Saif? He needs a Hatra'a, Hava Amina, Hanemile Saif, Dekil. I perhaps would have said, Saif, if you deal with the death penalty, the sin, which is on the lower end of death penalties and sins, well, then you'd get a hatra, and as a result, you can get out of this. But if he did something more severe, Shabbat, illicit relations with Sekila, in that situation, hatra is not necessary. Uh, look at what you did about Sekila, the hamura, emalo. I would have said perhaps if it's Sekila, which is more hamur, Maybe hatra is unnecessary. Sirikha says the Gemara was therefore necessary to list all of them. Of course, we'll then turn backwards and say once you have sikila, so then what do you need malkot and saif? But before that, why do you need two by sikila? The last two were by sikila. We had one mikoshesh etzim, which is Shabbat, and the second one was the uh, was the naharam orasa, which was the the rape of this young woman. Now, the Gemara will answer that, and it's necessary that you remember. You don't need to remember the Gemara from yesterday. You need to remember the concept from yesterday. We've seen it on several occasions. And that is later on, we happen to have learned it already, there's a mahdoka between Hachamim and Bishimon. What's the most severe of the punishments? Is it Sekila or is it Serefa? It's only according to the Hachamim, that's the mainstream opinion, that we go Sekila and then Serefa. According to the Bishimon, it goes Serefa and then Sekila. Do you understand? Now, that being the case, the Gemara will suggest for Bishimon, the Torah twice does it by Sekila to tell you, don't think it's only by Sekila, which is less severe than Serefa. The reason the Torah repeats another reference of Hatra in the context of Sekila is to say, well, I didn't need it by Sekila. I already had it by Mekoshesh Yetzim. Why is it teaching it to me again by Sekila? Teach this for Serefa. That will be the initial answer. The Gemara will then turn and say, but what about according to the Hachamim, where Sekila is the most hamur, it's the most severe one, so then what did you need to repeat? And the Gemara will answer that concept, which we saw yesterday, a little hard to wrap your head around, but the concept goes as follows. If it's a matter which could be derived, even on matters that we could derive based on logic, 
Tarach v'katav l'akera, the Pasuk sometimes will go out of its way and nonetheless mention it. Are there ramifications to that? There are, but not necessary to us right now, but that's, that's a method sometimes the Hachamim will resort to. It's, uh, you know, it's good Jeffrey's not too perked up because it's the type of thing I could get killed on over here. What do you mean? You always tell us that the Torah is very sparing in its words. All of a sudden, a matter which could be the Kalvah It's for that reason there is a debate as to the ramifications of it. But for our purposes, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes the Torah says it nonetheless. But here, if it says the Gemara, what I told you, the Tarteh, the two Benis Kalin Lamali, why did we need those last two Pesukim by the Mikoshesh, by the Na'aram Orasa, after all the death penalty by both of them? answers the Gemara first and foremost for Bishimon it's to tell you that even Nisrafim which is for him more hamur more severe than Sekila for the Hachamim for the Hachamim even on matters this is a concept that we know based on Kalva Homer. Sometimes the Torah will nonetheless say it explicitly, so to speak, so you don't make a mistake. Alternatively, for other ramifications, says the Gemara, but wait, I got all that. So then why don't we have the latter, the last two Pesukim, both by Sekila, the Mekoshesh, and then Aram Orasa, and we'll bring these others, meaning Malkot, meaning Saif, meaning anything and everything else, the word ligmeru milashon gemara. We'll learn it from them. That's what we call binyana. The concept is the Torah will tell you a law in one circumstance, and then we'll say apply it to all other circumstances. Make that the father and all the others, the derivatives from it. That's the gemara. Why do you need the first two? Says the gemara hachaname. Indeed, it's so. What do you mean? Indeed, it's so. So then, why didn't the Torah do that? According to you, these other derashot are unnecessary. So again, same same response of the Gemara. Sometimes we do this. Sometimes it's so. Even though it could have been derived from Kalvahomer, from Binyana, from logic, the Pesukim nonetheless explicitly stated. Okay, that's what we have over here. The Gemara gave us these four Pesukim for Hatra'ah and explains us why necessary for each of them. But it's a fundamental, it's a foundational Gemara because we talk about Hatra'ah all the time. Anytime you wonder about Hatra'ah, you have to tap back into its origins to understand a little bit more and it'll come up at some point or another, the depth of what a hatra really is about, based on these being our primary sources for it. Says the Gemara onward, the Beraita told us that not only do we ask the witnesses, did you issue a warning, we say to them, did he uh, permit his, himself, his soul, for death? What do you mean? He needs to not only say, I know I'm sinning, he needs to say, the, the person who's transgressing, I know I'm going to be liable for death penalty, and I'm nonetheless doing so. Minalan, says the Gemara, where do you derive this from? And again, I've had this conversation more than once with Jesse Sutton, and the, 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 the question is, so who in their right mind is going is to ever be liable to death penalty? The answer is, very few people, because if they're not in their right mind, so then they're shoteh, then you can't put them to death, they're, they're insane. If they're in the right mind, so then just keep quiet. The guy says you're going to be liable for death penalty, and then just do it, and uh, you're not going to be done. Okay, so the answer is, generally speaking, it won't happen. You need a person who's so lustful and vengeful in the moment. I need that person, I need that person, I need to do this to them. Yes, I'm doing it even so they're in the right mind, but they're so passionate about it, it's going to be rare. It will be rare. Says the Gemara, but at the same time, by the way, we did learn in the Gemara, and we'll see it again once or twice another time. The Gemara says that the Hachamim were uh, endowed with a certain ability to stretch the rules at times. 
if it was a matter that they saw necessary, so then they could stretch these rules in specific circumstances. We saw it. Need to be more lenient? They can be, well, more stringent. More, yeah, more what, what, lenient with their ruling. Right. Yes, we saw it, for example, in the context of briefly uh, the judgment in the eyes of the rabbis of what happened with Yeshua HaNosri. Uh, they didn't seem to, according to the Gemara's rendering of it, we talked about this afterwards, right? The Gemara's rendering of how they judged him and how they put him and so forth, uh, it didn't seem to follow all the laws. It didn't seem to follow exactly the way we thought it should have gone. The Gemara said it was a mesit. The Gemara, it happens and it will happen in the Gemara that we have had. So this case of Shimon ben Shatach was similar to this. We had cases where they stretched it a bit based on circumstances. How do we know that he needs to be matir pasuk talks about witnesses and it says based on either two witnesses or three witnesses. Yumat will be put to death hamet the dead person. That's not you're putting to death the person, not the dead person. What's Yumat Hamet? It's a Yumat Ha'ish. Yumat Ha'nidon. Why is it Yumat Hamet? He needs to already be considered a dead man walking. Right? That's what he is. How is he already considered a dead man walking? If not for the fact that he was already, quote unquote, permitting his life to be taken. Amar of Hanan, Edena Ara Hame Orasa, Shehuzamu En Heragin. Period. So the Gemara, we should have a period over there, right? Period. And now we move on to something else. This is going to take us maybe 10, 15 lines over here. The Gemara is a new issue. It's a new issue, which is a fascinating issue, at least in my mind, because it touches on the technicalities of the court proceedings that we've discussed, and it in turn calls into question something that the Torah describes and we take for granted. And that is, we had this case, it's in Parashat Kitese, we'll be reading it later in the, in the summer from the Torah, and that is if a man and a woman, she's an Araham Orasa, she's an engaged woman, have relations, assuming it's consensual, the Torah describes how you would determine that, of course we'd need to be more elaborate about that, they both get put to death based on Sikila, not based on, with Sikila. Uh, wait a second, the witnesses who came to testify and warrant her and testify in court that we warrant her, but they're found to be liars. They're found to be Adim Zomim conspiring witnesses. That's the case. Never actually happened. These people are, had you determined that? Of course, the Mishnah tells us later in the Masechet, the Masechet Makot, two other witnesses come and say, wait, you guys saw that consensual act? You were with us on that day in another place? Adim Zomimim. Generally speaking, as the Torah says, you do to them as they conspire to do. They should get sekilah. The statement here is a shocking one. Amar of Hanan again, if there are witnesses of that case, who are found to be conspiring witnesses, everything checks out. They should now be put to death. In the again, they're not put to death. Why not? That goes against everything we know. Because they can claim. They can say our intention was never to put her to death. Our intention was just to make her forbidden to her husband. The halakha is if a woman has consensual relations um, while married to her husband, she's forbidden both to the man who she had the consensual relations with and to her husband. Well, since they can make that claim, we never had in mind to put her to death. That was all we wanted to do. That was all we had in mind. As a result, what's that? So, uh, right now, we're not. We're going to question that in a second. On the flip end, uh, yeah, yeah, step ahead. Who said we're not putting her to death? We're just saying right now that the witnesses are not put to death. 
Right, that, that's our claim. She would be put to death, that's our assumption, says the Gemara, first and foremost, but we'll get to that in a second. Veha'atruba, says the Gemara, now you understand what the context in our Gemara is, why this is brought over here. Says the Gemara, but wait a second, didn't they have to warn her? They can't come into court and say, she was a consensual member of this act, and what do you mean? Did you give her a warning? It's one of the first questions we ask the witnesses. If they give her a warning, they had to say in the warning, by doing this, you're going to be liable to death penalty. And she needs to say, and I accept it. Well, that being the case, well, you didn't have that in mind. Well, you didn't have it in mind. You gave a hatra, answers gemara de la atrube. De la atruba. They didn't give a warning. Uh, okay, so one second. First and foremost, Rav Hanan, you already changed your story. You opened up, we thought this was an exciting case. You told us you're not actually going to be able to put them. No, you're only not going to be putting them to death if they didn't give a warning. But wait a second, they didn't give a warning. If they didn't warn her, so then we turned to these witnesses and said, Very nice, Hazaku Baruch, have a good day. This was nothing. A testimony without warning, uh, what was it worth? So Rav Hanan, we can't reconstruct what you were talking about at all. You said, What's your case? A case that is not a real case. We throw out that case. Answers the Gemara, perhaps, and again, we're very much narrowing this, the scope of Rav Hanan's statement, Says the Gemara, Rav Hanan was talking about a case where the woman was Havera, ahead of his time, she's a Talmid Hacham, Talmidah Hacham, she's a wise one, doesn't mean per se, could be that she's learned, but it means she knows the laws, that's a Haver for our country, knows the laws. As a result, according to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda, who's not the mainstream opinion, but he is an opinion mentioned, we saw him on Davchet, he's mentioned throughout Talmud, his opinion is, you don't need a, a, a warning. Warning is only necessary in order to distinguish between whether you were doing this purposefully, knowing the law or not. If you're a Talmud Hacham, if she's a Talmidah Hacham, she knows the law. As a result, no warning was necessary. Let's reconstruct the case. These witnesses walk into court. They say, you know that woman, the learned one, the one who's teaching in the school and the, uh, whatever. Yeah, she, we saw her, she's Naharam Orasa, having relations, good morning, relations with that man. And so one said, did you issue a warning? No, no, Talmud Hacham, Talmud Hacham. I said, but wait a sec, he still need, no, no, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudai. Let's imagine it's his Beitin. Okay, that's very good. Now what's the case? Well, um, two other witnesses come away. Wait a that had happened, you were with us on that day. I said, yeah, so? I said, but, uh, but what do you want to do to us? We want to put you to death. You want to put us to death? That was never our intention. No, but didn't he get, no, we never gave a warning. But that's the case. Right, so we narrowed it. It's not as exciting, but it's still interesting, yes? Why not make it simpler where so much of the act and wanted to just punish her, punish them, without the warning. Is there, forget that. Is there any kind of punishment just for adultery? Without a warning? Just by witnessing? What are you gonna do? It's, uh, no punishment? Nothing. I mean, if, if we don't have a warning, we say, well, we can't open the case. There's no I mean, there's, there's korban. There's korban because we can call it bisho gig. Um, you wanna say maybe they can claim uh, all right, interesting. I don't know. Your question is that maybe their claim is in this circumstance. We're not going to give lashes. Lashes is also in the Bahra. You, need witnesses, you, you need witnesses in all circumstances, but he's saying maybe their claim will be, again, You're keep in mind, the Osra al Ba'ala. Right, we were really just. something bad going on? All right, that's an interesting question. They can make such a claim. 
We had no intention at all. Now keep in mind, our understanding over here is, I'll tell you why, it's, I'll, I'll tell you. it could be, it could be. The, the reason that we're assuming not that way is because we're dealing with Edim Zomimim. If it's Edim Zomimim, it means we were testifying to the extent it sounds like that we were actually going to affect something. Our assumption is that if there were no Edim Zomimim, we're dealing with a case where we were going to be putting her to death. You're right. I mean, if we conjured up such a case, we, we could easily uh, pull that off. So the Gemara, but, and this is really the question, the Gemara is now going to touch on that initial question, which you kind of asked in the first second, and that is the following. If their claim is, we didn't issue a warning, we didn't need to issue a warning, our intention was never to put her to death, so then how could we ever put a woman to death for an Aram Orasa consensual relations? What do you mean? That's what we would call a edut, a testimony, which you can't reciprocate the punishment they were trying to give. Our principal intense testimony is, the law is, if the testimony cannot be reciprocated, the testimony is not valid. The only way we validate that testimony is if you could reciprocate what they're trying to do. That's how we know the person's serious. If in every case they could wiggle out of this, or in any case they could wiggle out of this, it, we, it, we would not consider that, consider that an edut. Says the Gemara, since they're not going to be get, getting killed, how is she going to get killed? How would you ever find a case like this where it's Alright, we'll continue with this tomorrow. Amen.